The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. You're listening to Wrestling to the Max. Alert, alert, clear all channels. This is an exclusive. How you like that? Sean Garmer and Paul Leeser. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling to the Max WWE Hell in a Cell 2017 review show. And once again, you're hearing us, Sans Gary, he came home from the cruise really late, pretty much like during the last match, and well, we would have had to wait like another two hours or so before Gary even finished the show, so thankfully he just said, alright, let's just do it without me, and we'll be back tomorrow like normal, so sadly, once again, you gotta be without him, but at least here is Mr. Paul Leeser. Yay, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> and hey, you know, we like to have three people around if we can. Joining us first time in a while, Mr. Brandon Biscobing. Hey, hey, hey. So, uh, I vaguely remember some of the pre-show match. Uh, I think I had it on sort of in the background there while I was uh, getting things uh, ready. It was Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin taking on the Hype Bros. Uh, I thought the match was actually a little better than I thought it was going to be. Gable got to hit the big moonsault, and uh, you got the pay dirt eventually from Shelton, and he and Gable win, and another loss down the rung go the Hype Bros. What'd you think, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, pretty standard match. Like you said, it it was better than I expected. Um, it was a good pre-show match. Um, but especially with how the ending went, I was honestly surprised. I guess they're saving it for SmackDown this Tuesday or unless they're going to drag it out even longer. But we all know it's coming. Uh, I was honestly surprised that we didn't see the turn of one or the other. I think it's going to be Ryder turning on Mojo Raleigh. Um, but I was honestly surprised that we didn't see it tonight, especially with how the ending went. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good, too. Uh, it's a definitely above-average outing, I think, for both teams. A lot of hard work from both. Gable and, Bel- and Benjamin, I think, are coming along really nicely as a tag team. And, I, I mean, Brandon just said what the hype bros are going through right now. It's going to be a split sooner or later just sort of waiting on when they're going to pull that trigger. And if they don't, then this might turn out to be a bit of a story of them maybe coming from behind and somehow winning the tag titles. Yeah, I'd either there has to be 
there's only really two ways this can go, right? It's either they split or mm-hmm. both guys turn and they just decide to be a heel team. Like, uh, you know, a harder, more harder, hardcore version of a heel team. I just don't, I, I don't think we'll see that just especially considering what happened tonight with the seeming dissension and them not being on the same page uh, at the end of that match. Oh, you're right. I was just... Good. Uh, he's right. That's probably the thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. more likely than not. I'm saying there could be a chance that both guys just get pissed at the world and just want to take it out on their people. Yeah, I wouldn't discount them not splitting just because there are so few tag teams around on SmackDown. They don't really seem intent on maybe making one that's going to challenge for the titles anytime soon. But, uh, but I mean, we've seen that before with other teams. You know, the tag team division has been very weak for a long, for you know, a while now on both Raw and SmackDown. Yet they broke up Enzo and Cast. They broke up mm-hmm. American Alpha. Granted, you know, Chad Gable is now in another tag team, but. You know, it's not like they really care about the depth of the tag division. I, I would agree with you up to a point, uh, because if you break up the high pros, you have four teams and they're doing jack and shit with the Ascension. Uh, so, well, yeah, <laughs> they usually like. Well, I have... mean, think well, but I mean, think about it. Once they broke up Enzo and Cass right now on Raw, you really only have. Well, now with the. Uh, now with the shield, you you even then you still only have two face tag teams mm-hmm. on Raw. Mm-hmm. I think even it, just historically, WWE and any any time they've had the tag teams really either focused on or not focused on, they've always at least had four teams. Uh, sometimes three, sometimes five, but it's usually always four. Uh, I would I would not be surprised if they just tease this out until the hype bros either finally turn the corner together and stay face, or as Sean is saying, they decide to say, F it, we're going to beat up everybody, we don't care anymore, obviously what we're doing isn't working, and go heal. Either way, I'm fine if they break them up or keep them together. It's just, it's kind of interesting to see this in the background uh, when, as we said, the tag team division is usually kind of flat, and you could really say there's maybe four stories going on around this division on SmackDown right now. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, with the Fandango and Breeze doing the Fashion Files mm-hmm. and the Ascension sort of being involved with that, it's you're even even less at that point. So uh, it seems like they're more intent on, and, and for a good reason, because as we'll see later on tonight, that, that thing is over. So mm-hmm. why not keep doing it? People obviously are not that and they're more into that than them wrestling so uh the point is that both... oh, i think they were into they were into rest them wrestling when they thought they actually had a shot at the titles but now that they kind of got pushed back down it's like this is a better way to keep them relevant well you know we're talking a lot about tag teams we might as well get into what is you know uh, unless you really thought that the drawn outness of the final Hell in a Cell match was better. Uh, this is your match of the night, and they decided to open the show with it. 
And why not? This has been the best book thing on SmackDown. Perhaps you could say the best book thing in the entire company. Uh, the New Day and the Usos going at it inside of Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown tag titles. And boy, did they ever go at it in this match. My lord. They uh, used cowbell. Uh, you had uh, guys tied up onto the ring posts. Like, you know, we're about to watch them be burned at the stake, it almost looked like. You know, you get uh, Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso get pinned into the corner with about like six different kendo sticks and get hit with those. Uh, eventually, the Usos wind up winning, but these two teams tore into each other. You could feel the tension, the emotion, the story. These two hated each other, and you really got that throughout this match. Whew. Borderline five stars. I mean, this was this was amazing. One of the best tag matches you'll probably see all year. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm going to disagree with you on the best match of the night, but I'll talk about that later. Um, but, uh, yeah, a very solid uh, Hell in a Cell match. This was a more creative, you know, they they knew they couldn't use the cell to its fullest, so they used what they could, um, and they were very creative with it. You know, some very innovative spots. Um, and some fun spots as well. Uh, but the the one thing I'm curious about, which I didn't exactly like, and I'll, we'll have to see where they go with this, but, you know, a Hell in a Cell match normally, I mean, this is a very old school line of thinking, but, you know, it should hold true that Hell in a Cell should be one of those match types that is a be-all, end-all feud ender type of match and the new day is going to have to get their rematch clause and not to mention with the rumors spreading of you know them wanting to make the new day you know the the all-time greatest tag team in history they've got a bit of a problem with that if they're going to keep on having them trade the titles back and forth with the usos um heads up wwe the usos are ahead of the new day in title reigns so you're going to have to put the titles back on the New Day and then move them to another team in order to allow them to get to that nine. I, I mean, that's obviously just going to take time, I think. Uh, for now, though, just but, talking about this match, hands down, maybe one of the best matches WWE has put on all year. Uh, just absolutely incredible action, bell to bell. I think they told a great story. I think you got a real taste of what both teams were about inside the atmosphere, and they used the cell and all the stipulations, I think, very, very well. Uh, and not to mention the added drama of them basically tying Xavier yeah, to the to the corner and making Kofi watch as they just absolutely brutalized him uh, for all that to come around with Xavier just to, to not give up and not want to lose until eventually it just became too much, and that's all she wrote. I mean, I, I know they didn't. I, I know they didn't want to use the one thing I will say about that spot. The I know they didn't want to use any outside spots during this match or anything, but I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen Kofi with a little more desperation reaction, kind of like a la Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar, or you know, um, I'm trying to think of 
other outside members who have been outside of the cage or like Stephanie with Triple H trying to like claw his way into the cage and like maybe trying to, you know, get to the door or something, you know, instead of just kind of standing there and, and just without really, you know, being able to do anything. I, I think it does more from a storytelling perspective that he didn't do anything. He he watched one of his best friends get murdered in front of him and he couldn't do anything. So either this makes the New Day switch in their next title defense or next title challenge, or maybe it causes some dissension or or whatever. But I think it's a really nice story element just to have Kofi sit there and watch and not participate. I mean, the thing, the example you just used, they were all heels too, and you want to see those people get involved so they can get their ass kicked too. Everybody wants to see Kofi succeed. Okay. Everyone wants to see the New Day succeed, right? Yes, it's just sort of how it is, right? Uh, uh, these guys can wrestle forever, though. I, I don't care what match. They could wrestle out in a parking lot in front of 12 people. I'm going to be one of those 12 people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, them in a parking lot would be amazing. You know, imagine. <laughs> uh, like, if, you know, if they did all that stuff with the cell, imagine with just having the the limitless things of having a parking lot full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, see, that's be... what I'm talking about with, with this moving forward is that, you know, they they had the Las Vegas street fight. They had this Hell in a Cell match. You know, where do you go from here going into Survivor Series? You know, it's going to feel it's going to feel like it's going to fall flat if you just go back to them having a regular tag match. Well, see, Survivor Series, you can actually just take a break mm-hmm. and probably do a like cross brand. That's you know, true. Raw and SmackDown tag team champions go against the two contender tag teams or something like that. That's know? right. That's true. Or so. do or do like what they did last year and do the, the Raw, Raw versus SmackDown tag team match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. So it gives them a little bit of a break so they don't have to think about it again until December unless Starcade winds up being on the network. So, which right now... Is what is the time. December SmackDown... Do we even know? Clash of the Champions. Clash of the Champions. Okay, yeah. So oh. the titles would have to be defended at that point. Um, I mean, even then, they could decide to bring more teams into it just to sort of uh, lay that in. They've got a lot of SmackDowns. They could do something else on SmackDown, too. Mm-hmm. So. That's true. We'll probably do like a triple threat with uh, with the new American Alpha or whatever they're getting, whatever they're calling themselves now. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, with the video game coming out in about, you know, a week and a half, if you want to uh, promote the, the new, like you can walk around backstage and all that stuff in the career mode, you, you could do some kind of parking lot brawl or backstage brawl or whatever uh, with that. That's you know, some, some mm-hmm. nice, uh, Nice self promotion there for your for your game there WWE not not bad thoughts <laughs> but uh, anyway I I don't know what they needed they have a really good commercial that that also works as well so we go from something exciting to well it's Randy Orton and Rusev so um, you know this feud has sort of just been there and this match was sort of just uh, there as well it just it was fine. Uh, Rusev loses again. What do you know? And I don't know what this is going to mean. Absolutely anything. The the one thing that I was surprised about with this match, especially considering 
what they were doing with the build-up to it is I'm, I was surprised that Aiden English wasn't involved in any way. I was expecting him at least to be at ringside with Rusev. That would have been interesting. I, I, I like the pairing. I like their work on SmackDown together, and we talk about them needing tag teams. Maybe you pair them up because neither of them seem to be doing anything right now, and it's going to be hard to try to push Rusev into anything after taking this loss to Randy if, as Sean was saying, if it doesn't mean anything, then whatever. But for what it was, I thought this was well worked. Uh, it's not like the action was super exciting or anything, but it it was fine for what it was. And I can't believe I just said that about a Randy Orton match right now because he just looked like it was another day at the office for him. Well, I mean, that's what these matches just feel like, is that they're they're really just filler matches. So, Randy you know, Orton's 2017 is another day at the office. Yeah. <laughs> he has hair now, so I guess that he means does. that he really doesn't care when he doesn't even take the time to shave his head. Yeah. He's going back <laughs> to his old 2003 look. And who knows? Maybe the wife just wants to have hair for once or something. But... Uh, Anyway, we can move on from that to something a bit more exciting. This, It was uh, decided on the pre-show that Ty Dillinger would be added to the U.S. title match to make it a triple threat. AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, and Ty Dillinger. And I think I mentioned when we did the preview, Paul, that there could be that chance that Corbin pulls one over on AJ and... Mm-hmm. Well, now tie that, hey, you keep saying I can't win by cheap means. Well, look at me. I just won by cheap means. Uh, we both wind up going with AJ. But, hey, Baron Corbin wins. He's your new U.S. champion. Uh, AJ on Talking Smack already says he wants his rematch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought this was this was uh, pretty good. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, mainly because of Ty Dillinger and, and AJ more than Baron Corbin, but I thought the story worked. Yeah, I mean, the story definitely works. It moves the story along with Corbin and AJ because AJ feels like, you know, hey, you didn't really win cleanly. Um, You know, I did all the work. Uh, And Corbin still gets his title, which I'm glad that he's starting to... uh, get pushed forward and and starting to get rebuilt after the absolute burial that we saw in August. Um, So, you know, slowly but surely, they're starting to rebuild him back up to where he was. Um, You know, hopefully Ty Dillinger stays in the picture. But, you know, this is... This is a good storyline, a good three-man storyline that has worked for a couple of months now. I mean, honestly, between this and the whole KO Shane thing, the U.S. title has been the main title on SmackDown for almost six months now. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking about that, too, whenever they were playing the Kevin Owens video package. Like, wow, this U.S. title's really been the, the belt to watch over what they've been doing with gender. Um, shocker, I know, but still. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I that's been the way with both both uh, mid-card titles for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Different but similar reasons on both Raw and SmackDown. 
Right. Uh, I thought this was good. This is one of those times where I didn't necessarily mind the standard triple threat formula because it works in the story, right? Everybody sort of has a different beef with each other. So wanting to take out the other guy to get to the one you have a problem with is is what makes sense here. Um, that being said, I think you know the parts where Baron's in control, he's just boring. He's just super boring to watch in these long heats. And uh, him pinning Ty and sort of using the means that, that he did to do it all makes sense for the feud. AJ wants to prove her wrong. And Baron's, for his part, on Talking Smack maybe cut one of the best things I've ever at least heard him cut promo-wise, uh, talking about his win, how he plans on rubbing it in everybody's face, and how his way actually won him something finally. And he's ready to just shove that down everybody's throat. And I, I dig that. Uh, if he could just make that energy happen in a match, I might actually enjoy this guy. I mean, I mean, I may be in the minority amongst fans, but I personally like Corbin's. Not so. Much, I mean, his wrestling style is what it is, but you know, you don't always have to be, you know, the the great technical wrestler to be a solid competitor in the ring. I mean, you know. He he plays his role well, and you know I think he can be a very solid upper mid to upper card guy moving forward on SmackDown, or if he decides to go to if he ends up getting traded to Raw or whatnot, I I think he can be a solid guy in WWE. I don't need you to be the greatest technical wrestler alive or a man who can do ten thousand flips. I love Braun Strowman. That guy doesn't know uh, a handlock from a wristwatch. You know, he just goes out there and pummels the shit out of you. But he has. But energy. I think, I, I think a lot. I think one of the things that really got Braun over back when he first started getting over big was that kip up that he had against that ma- in that match against Big Show because like. Everyone loves the athleticism. Right. You can be an athlete still. I'm just saying he he has energy. Strowman has a lot of energy oh. in everything he does. Corbin is very flat and boring and moving from pace to pace in the ring. That's all he's doing. And it's very on prolonged heats like he had in this match. It really drags the match down. It's boring. It, it takes the crowd out of it, if you ask me. I don't need yeah. you to do all the flips or, you know, 10,000 holds. Just... Bring some energy to the ring. I'll be fine with you. But I think that I think that's why they put this as a triple threat is to basically hide Corbin and to allow AJ and Ty to do their thing, and mm-hmm. then Corbin can come in and and get the job done. I mean, it's basically the same as uh, Enzo in in the cruiserweight division. The thing is, if you're saying you're going to be a top guy, you need to be able to walk solo by yourself without having two guys yeah. trying to cover for you. No, I I agree with that. So, we'll, yeah. but I I think he still has time if he's willing to to get better. I think he's certainly able to do it. Just a little bit of energy is all I'm asking. Make yeah. it look like you give a shit out there. <laughs> I don't know that he cares. I think he knows I, uh, where he is, and uh, it's you know. I give him credit because I keep, I've said this many times. So one thing, one of the things that I think uh, Talking Smack did great for all these people is Baron Corbin was one of the guys that really benefited from it, and he was able to cut the promo he did today because he was he got to learn what that's like and to feed off Daniel Bryan and whoever else was his opponent at the time. I mean, he even made confrontation with gender interesting. 
on that yeah. show. <laughs> so, I mean, some of the, him and Miz had probably, you know, him and Miz probably had the most memorable moments of talking smack during its run. Yeah, I, I just like, you know, Baron Corbin, obviously the promo man, he likes that. He's interested. Mm-hmm. He figured that out. I think he sort of just knows he can skate by on the wrestling because he's liked or as long as he doesn't piss off the wrong person when he lost the money in the bank, it, you know, mm-hmm. that's the story that actually happened. But, you know, and, and for that reason, he still gets a where's your briefcase chance on the crowd yeah. <laughs> and, and all that, which is which is nice. But, yeah, it's just, look, this match was much more about if you cared about what happened in the ring, Ty and AJ was there for you. Baron was there to continue the story. And mm-hmm. he did that, and now we'll see if he gets to rub it in everybody's face or, or not. Right. So, moving on, we move to another title match, the women's title match between Natalia and Charlotte. Natalia and Charlotte really just, for me, because their roles are reversed. Uh, and I don't know that it's the roles are reversed or that... I st- it's still hard for me to believe in Natty um, the way she is. She's <laughs> The heel thing doesn't work for me because they've positioned her so much as like the old lady that has cats for like such a long time. <laughs> or, you know, the woman that burps or whatever, you know, has stupid gimmicks. And so it's like... It's hard to take you seriously, and now you're stealing your uncle's catchphrases. And I mean, not that you know Charlotte doesn't steal her dad's, but it's it's just like at, at least with Charlotte, there's a, that connection there. Dad's been there, you know. We've we've seen all that. It's obvious that that they're trying to do that, and and we respect her because she's gone out and proven on her own. Like, hey, you know what? I'm one of the best out here. Not that Natty's not, but I feel like she's sort of regressed uh, in in the wrestling since she they've kind of docked her down. And so when you have this match with Charlotte where I still feel like when you take away the whole her dad was sick and, you know, near death thing... That's the only reason you're sort of cheering for her at all. Like, she's mm-hmm. still not this person that you're really running to rally behind. right? Well, because to be fair, she they were starting to turn her face when she came to SmackDown. I know, but I still don't want to root for Charlotte. Right. Like, she is that, like, supreme athlete, like Roman Reigns, that, like, mm-hmm. you're in awe of, but you don't. You're not, like, sitting there kind of like, yeah, Charlotte, you're the best. Like, I want to root for you. It's, it's more like, all right, I want to hate you. <laughs> and and she did that so well in NXT. She did that so well on Raw. You know, that's what made the feud with Char- with Sasha work is that you just disliked her. Um, and then, I don't know. I, so this, this whole thing sort of, it worked. And then I could kind of just feel this DQ coming. Like, mm-hmm. it's so this natty run for that to happen that way. I I guess I'm glad because maybe that means that Charlotte will win the title in the 
rightful place on that Starcade show, but uh, I don't know, Paul. Just this just felt weird and just there sometimes. I thought the work was good. I didn't have a problem with any of that, but I think you are right in that they have their wires crossed here. I like Natty more as a face. I like Charlotte more as a heel. And they kind of have that flip-flopped. And it's not that Natty's a a bad heel. She's just not a good one. You know, she's very middling. Uh, And I feel like that's the same with Charlotte, too. And granted, she hasn't had to play face that much just because I feel like she's such a natural at the other side. But uh, I don't know. I, this worked to move it over. I didn't think Natty was going to lose the title here just because it, it was going to be too soon. And you have the Starcade thing you're building up for, and it makes more sense to do the switch there. And I think as far as moving the feud along, this worked out pretty well there. As far as keeping an interest, if you're on, you know, if you're not really into the characters, it's understandable. But I thought the ring work was still pretty good. Yeah, I mean the the match itself. I mean the the whole like you know and you know. We'll see where if the, if they do anything with it, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward. But playing with, uh, you know, her knee potentially being injured, you know, that was a a good storyteller, and she sold it really well um, throughout that match. I was even, you know, unsure. I was like, oh, damn, is she injured? You know, um, but the only thing that I can think of, you know, yes, I get the whole Starcade thing, but I mean. I still, I mean, yes, we've seen it with AJ this year uh, at MSG, but if you're not going to show it as a network special, I don't think they would have that big of a title change at a just random live event. Um, but um, the other thing that I was thinking about when they had this finish was, are they doing this so that Charlotte can move on in in case they do do the four horsemen four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match at Survivor Series. I would think if you're going to do that, you still want Charlotte to look as impressive as possible. Uh, well, I and- agree with that, but I think they're they're trying to keep all four of them away from the title just so that you know the titles aren't vacant for you know not vacant, but you know not being defended for, you know, another couple of months. I mean, it would only have to, I mean, the next show after TLC is Survivor Series, so it would only be maybe a month, and that's, you know, basically par for the course for WWE at this point. Uh, that's true. I, I think for me, the the biggest um, sort of takeaway from from this, at least moving forward, is that uh, if, if it's, I mean, I'm used to, Growing up watching WWE, they used to do house show title changes pretty, not often, but it did happen, right? You just had to sort of get used to the fact that it did. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if if it doesn't make a WWE Network special, which I still think they'd be silly not to do at this point. Um, Mm. I still wager the title change would happen. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I think, and I understand the whole Go ahead, John. I was saying they tape everything. So Mm -hmm. we'll see it. Uh, they may well, show we, it on we, the network as a full match later. You know, they have that option as we, well. So the the only reason why I'm not sure about that is that we never got that with the AJ title switch. We kind of just got small clips and you know and stills from it. So like you know, uh, like I 
especially in this day and age where, you know, like, like Paul said, it, they are taping everything. So why not, especially if you're going to have a big show like that, why not do like what you were doing back in 2015 and have a couple of house shows become network specials just to kind of, you know, even if not many people are watching it, it still brings some more eyes to the network and gives the fans something else to watch if, you know, they're bored on a Saturday or something, mm. you know? They did have less shows back then than they do now. True. <laughs> so True. we do have to consider that, that they may feel like there is show fatigue, uh, even though... They could just do this and just mean it for the hardcore. But that's the thing. Like, once you have title changes or big matches, like, you're going to you're gonna have cage matches and all that stuff, you're going to get people's attention that have the network mm-hmm. that might be casuals. And they might feel like, oh, here's another thing i got to watch. And so it's, you know, it all becomes taxing and whatever. I know with the network, you don't have to all watch it in one sitting. You can decide to watch like an hour here and an hour there before the next or, or watch on. it when you uh, Or watch it when you have free time. Like, I haven't, like, I still need to catch up on like three episodes of NXT right now because of the our other podcast. Yeah. I mean, that happens, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, they have their reasons where they decide not to do it or, I mean, it could just be that they don't want to give Starcade the time of day. We know Vince right. is very. Uh, <laughs> we know well, Vince is. But, I mean, that that's the thing which you know I under like you know I think that's why Cody is a little annoyed at it is because I I feel like that's exactly what they're doing is they're just using it as a cheap way to maybe steal some people from going to WrestleCade and and to draw maybe a few more people to a house show, but. For all intents and purposes, it's just going to be another house show, and they're just further burying WCW. Yeah, fair enough on on that as well. But yeah, uh, SmackDown will probably just have them continue to to see the same deal here. That when Natty and Charlotte started a feud, I felt like it was going to go a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because they were the main cogs in the whole. Oh, the the team that doesn't like Charlotte, Natty was kind of the leader of that, so it it makes sense for it to to go for a little bit. Right. Yeah. The uh, Fashion Files have a short sort of thing that kind of lets you know what their next deal is. Their next uh, spoof is going to be for Tuesday. Uh, they let you know that they are going back to basics with the intro and that they have closed the current case. You get a delivery from a Connor that's dressed in, looks like NWO Hogan look with the mustache and everything. Uh, I, I don't know what, is that just supposed to be a shot at Hogan or something? But uh, I've almost felt like we're missing a brother there. That's about it. And, yeah, they, they they tell them that they have a delivery. The uh, you get a a connection to to be, which is on the box to to be, uh, 
and you find out that it's the Ascension with a lame joke of, we want to be your friends. And it's so because the way they have it on the poster is so dumb. <laughs> and they're just like, no, no, we don't want to be your friends. What the heck is this? And the whole time they're thinking that this is some, like, extra clue. And what if they sent the wrong guy to jail and all this? It's uh, great. The best thing is the uh, Cesaro the Tooth Fairy 3 with his picture. (laughs) (laughs) And then I saw uh, people already make memes of him in the tooth fairy with the tooth fairy background (laughs) and all that, you know, as it was, he was going to be in the movie for real. This is great. Uh, So then they do the uh, big old, one of the um, iconic scenes from Pulp Fiction where they open the case and it glows and you're left wondering what's inside. And then they tell you that there's going to be a Pulp Fiction fashion files on Tuesday. So basically sort of a lead into Tuesday. The thing that I think stuck out the most, Paul, is that, man, the crowd went nuts when they showed up on screen. They sure did. Uh, and I laughed pretty hard at the uh, the disguise joke of how they didn't even recognize the Ascension because they were so well disguised. Uh, it's, 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 I'm really looking forward to seeing them back on TV, though, see where they're going to go with this. Uh, it's really turned into a, a surprise hit that uh, I, I don't even think really anybody was sort of expecting. And I, I love Pulp Fiction, so it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see Dango. I hope Dango is the one dressed up like uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he probably will. Uh yeah, I mean, this has been uh, an, an interesting run with them. Um, I'm just curious to see, like, you know, how long this is going to go. It kind of feels like, uh, you know, while they didn't do it nearly as long and, and it wasn't as funny or as, you know, well done as this, it kind of feels like Elias Sampson just walk, drifting around backstage at Raw for weeks on end and you're like, okay, when is he going to finally, you know, actually do something? You know, it's the same with this where, you know, at first in the beginning it was, you know, supposed to be this mystery and they were going to find out who was attacking them and they were, and you were expecting it to turn into a match and maybe a call up or something. And now it's kind of just like, okay, what are they doing next without really having an end game? I think they've kind of had to start meandering it a bit because they realize that Survivor Series is probably a better time to call up somebody. Mm-hmm. You can intro- easily introduce another team, you know, have a mystery partner, a mystery team be part of one of the Survivor Series matches and have that one be the one that, in- that involves uh, Brizongo and that kind of lets let things happen or you don't even have to involve them at all. You can, it just gives them another show where, okay, war games is happening. Now we can let sanity go, or now we can let, uh, authors of pain go and they can go to the main roster and they will be the team that attacked, uh, Brizongo. But I, I think they've also understood that these spoofs are working and people like mm-hmm. them. They get traction on social media. The Twin Peaks ones, because they were happening while that series was still on, uh, was getting a lot of traction. 
you know that I saw like people that were fans that were that were that some of the people involved in the the show were paying attention to that and everything. So hmm. if they can keep getting you know things off the the spoofs and all that, then it's going to work while they're trying to figure out where, what the next deal in that, that story is. But yeah, I mean, it's working. People like it and why not keep doing it? I still think that they deserve a, a show on the network at some point, but obviously once you make it more than five minutes long, it, it starts costing money. So yeah, uh, I was trying to delay getting into this uh, WWE title match. Between oh, Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura, because although this might have been Jinder's best match, maybe uh, since he's been champion, because I thought Nakamura worked a little harder than usual. I mean, again, the guy doesn't really have a reason to be motivated when he's wrestling Jinder Mahal, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just the finish was sort of expected. You knew that the things were going to get involved. Just didn't think that you're just gonna flat out beat Nakamura clean like that. That's just. Does it make you feel like this thing might be over now and you're moving on, moving gender on to somebody else? Yeah, I mean we'll see. Um, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, maybe Shinsuke moves on to the U.S. title or something and gets that. Um, maybe move AJ back up and have him feud with Jinder until finally this whole India thing is over and and Jinder can finally drop the title to AJ or someone who can actually do something with it. Um, but you know, yeah, the I mean the the problem with this right now is exactly what I mentioned. You know, no one who knows anything cares at all about this because everyone knows that he's holding it at least until the end of December. And so, you know, you know, both, both main titles on, on, on WWE are complete jokes right now because you know that the title holders are just going to keep on holding them for different reasons. The only thing I learned tonight is that Jinder knows how to wrestle one match, and he will do that over and over again until we're all in the grave. Uh, because <laughs> this seems like it has no end on it. Uh, it. You would think with maybe some falling attendance figures for SmackDown, they would want to try to freshen it up, maybe move the title. They uh, they do not. They want to uh, keep it on Jinder for whatever reason. And I would assume... That it's either AJ or I think it was you who mentioned it in our chat, Sean, that maybe Bobby might be in line for that shot next. But I uh I I just I don't, oh God. I don't care Bobby anymore. Bobby Rude and gender? I, yeah, yeah. No. Oh. Think about that. <laughs> Let me tell yeah, you how those matches you, are gonna go. Yeah. If you and thought plus, I don't I, I just really do not want to see them bury two of their rising stars just for, you know, just for this. Um, you know, and plus, I just don't know if Bobby really has enough leverage right now. I mean, he just had his debut match tonight, so. Who else you got? 
<laughs> Who else like do you I have said, on the face um, side right now? <laughs> AJ or, you know, I don't know. You could figure something out, but, you know, I just, it, th- this whole thing, I mean, like I said, it's not just SmackDown, it's Raw, too. You know, the the concept of burying an entire roster for, you know, for one person for different reasons is just, it's not a good sign for WWE moving forward. It's so weird to me that we have seen them when stuff doesn't work, they move things around to make sure mm-hmm. it does, right? But with yeah. this, they seem so dead set on gender, has to be champion, yeah. no matter what. Well, because they're doing it for one sole reason that isn't going to, you know, it it's going to do more harm than good in the long run. But they're so dead set on keeping him champion until they get to India. <sighs> Seems so just short-sighted, but... Oh, I mean... well, it's Vince. What do you expect? They also may not just want him to dump the title on Owen, what is still essentially a B pay-per-view, even though it has the big, you know, sell stipulation around it. It's still a B pay-per-view, so maybe they're waiting until Survivor Series. Yeah, no, very did. true. It's it's still just, I don't know, uh, they have done everything they can to sort of make Nakamura feel like he is just a guy on the mm-hmm. roster now. And it's it's sad to see because he is a guy that could be a talent if you put a, they they really haven't matched him with the right people either. He's had three straight feuds with. Look, Dolph's a good wrestler, but he's obviously just in I don't give a crap mode. And mm-hmm. you know when Dolph's like that, I mean it it doesn't help anyone. Baron Corbin helps. Baron Corbin, that's about it. And then, you know, gender. So, probably until he has that match with with AJ is when you'll finally get to see, you know, the Nakamura that we saw in NXT. And, or, you know, I don't know if he'll have another feud with Bobby Roode or something, but it's just... I almost hope it's AJ because if it winds up being Bobby Roode, let me tell you how those matches are going to go. (laughs) <laughs> I just don't even know, like, you know, I mean, the rumor, you know, I mean, granted, this is a good bit beyond, uh, you know, beyond the December date for India, but I just don't know how at this point we're going to get to that rumored Nakamura versus AJ feud for Mania. Uh, well, the Royal Rumble is great for those kind of things. It's true. That's, that's true. Well, I we we uh, we can move on from this WWE title match and get on to Bobby Roode and Dolph. And once again, the best part of this was that Dolph Ziggler lived up to what he was saying, and he cut off his own entrance to not come out to an entrance at all. Because he's trying to prove that, you know, he's the best guy in the ring. Mm-hmm. And this was, well, yeah, this was a match. And 
that's it for me. And like th- this was just kind of blah. I mean, it was a better match than I was expecting because I was thinking that this was basically going to be a squash. But, um, you know, so it was a better match than I was expecting. But, yeah, it was just, you know, your standard wrestling match. Nothing really special to look at. Um, I mean, it looks like this is going to continue because Ziggler attacked... Bobby Roode from behind, so we'll see where they go from here. Uh, but this is another, you know, you've got this and and Rusev versus Randy Orton, where it's kind of like just it's just filler feuds, and you know, there's nothing. It's like, oh, these guys don't have anything going on right now, so let's just toss them in a feud against each other. Uh, I mean, obviously, the point here is to make sure Bobby Roode looks good. Um. And to that end, obviously he wins. Uh, it's not necessarily clean. He had the post-match stuff. So I don't even know if they accomplished that. I but, don't think they really did because he had to... It Not only was it a roll-up, but he also had to use the tights in order to win. Well, so he was getting Dolph back after he did it to him beforehand, right? I mean, not, monkey see, monkey do, and Bobby Roode. When it comes to heel tactics, you know he's got the rule book memorized there. Well, but the the issue right now is that they're try, or at least I think they're trying to make him as a face on SmackDown right now. I think for now, yes. Uh, I wouldn't be super surprised if uh, sometime in the early part of next year we get a turn or something like that. But I, I like what they're doing for Dolph right now. I just don't think he cares anymore because it's not like he knows what he's going to be. He's here to to either take falls or to be a guy to step up in the mid card when he needs him, uh, when they need him to. And I don't think that's necessarily what he wants to be doing right now. So he's just sort of there uh, doing whatever, and you know, may, maybe. As much as I have never wanted to admit it, maybe it's too much damage to to ever come back from now. Maybe they were cheering for him in mm-hmm. uh, certain parts of the match, and then they started booing him. So yeah, it's that thing with Ziggler. Like, there's always those people who are gonna cheer him, I guess, because he's been there so long, and mm-hmm. I guess they still have that respect from before. But it's just, uh, it's crazy to me how up and down they've been with Ziggler when this whole brand extension started. It looked like they were going to turn a new leaf for him. He was going to start being the main event, and then quickly mm-hmm. he went right back to being Dolph Ziggler. So uh, I've liked this well, whole thing with also, the entrances Dan, and all that, but I don't know. Just kind of I mean, it also, didn't help, it also didn't help him that they had that whole thing with Miz with, you know, oh, you know, we're going to have you win the title and then lose it right back the next night, you know? It yeah, certainly hurts his credibility, good. but I would argue that his work with The Miz last year was some of the best of his career. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was good work, but just, you know, it it didn't really, it didn't do anything for him. It, if anything, it just pushed him further back. Credibility wise, I will give you that. Like the fans probably just don't, you know, you can't get attached to a guy who can't hold onto a belt or seemingly sustain, right? So, I guess that's where WWE sort at with them too. Exactly. Yeah, certainly a guy that just he's not caring, and 
Don't mm-hmm. know if he has plans to move on to somewhere else after whenever this ends for him. Or, But, hey, he was like this before, and then he wound up re-signing. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that will be something to address when we get there. The final match is, as we expected, Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens in a hell in a cell. False Con Anywhere stipulation worked to perfection here as they went everywhere around and even on top of the cage uh, to have a big fight on top of the cage, Russian leg sweep on top of the cage, the pop-up powerbomb on top of the cage. They come down, and then you have the finishing sequences with... Uh, Doing the old, doing the uh, Ambrose and Rollins, we're gonna knock you off the side of the cage thing, uh, so as it's not so crazy uh, from the top. And then Shane tries to do his big dive that he did at WrestleMania, backfired on him because Sami Zayn showed up and moved Kevin Owens at the last second, and then was able to put Kevin Owens' arm over Shane to get the pin, and Kevin Owens wins. What a shock. The man looked like he was never going to help Kevin Owens again. And here he is, the the everlasting friend. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Baron. Okay, yeah, I mean, this match uh, lived up to all of the hype and more. Um, you know, I, you know, you remember two years ago, Sean, me coming into this pay-per-view, like, this show after this pay-per-view, absolutely furious because, you know, it just didn't live up to the hype. And this year it most certainly did it 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 helps obviously that it is Shane you know obviously when you've got guy you know when you've got a Mick Foley Shane McMahon or Jeff Hardy match you know it's going to live up to the hype but you know even without that this i think was the longest time that they've ever fought on top of the cell um at least that i can remember um I would put this up at I'd put this at number three in my all time Hell in a Cell match list. And that's you know, that's saying something, especially considering it's the PG era. Um you know, this was a great match and, and a great swerve, especially for, you know, fans who don't, you know, read the rumors and whatnot. You know, those of us who did kind of, you know, saw the writing on the wall and everything. And they did tease it a little bit um, last, this past week on SmackDown with Sami Zayn going up to Shane and being like, you know, you have to watch out for KO and yada, yada, yada. And Shane kind of just shrugging him off and saying, let me do me and you do you and whatnot. Um, so there there was some writing on the wall. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of explanation they give um, and like what, you know, have Sammy come out and be and explain why he's suddenly now on KO side after all of the battles that they've had and all of that. So it's going to take some work, this more believable, but as long as they do the explanation properly, 
this could be another great team of K. I don't know if it'll be quite as good as uh, Jericho, but, you know, I'm hoping to hear some uh, Ring of Honor-esque uh, best friends chants uh, in the crowd when they're out there. And, I mean, this definitely sets up some interesting uh, feuds and, and all of that. Uh, maybe even get a best friends tag team going. And that's a way that you can break up the hype bros without losing a tag team, maybe moving Sammy and KO into the, into the tag team division uh, mm. for a while, just at least just to give them something to do, because it seems like the U S title is moving in a different direction. You know, uh, the world heavyweight title, like we were talking about, you know, you don't really know who can, go after gender and you don't really want to bury any other people um while you're still waiting for that india tour to be over with um so you know maybe this is a way to give them something to do um it was a great match it was my match of the night definitely um and a very fun finish um as like i said as long as we get a good explanation for for why it it was it was a great way to end it. I think this match succeeded in a lot of different ways. As far as spectacle goes, I think it certainly filled the bit the filled fit the bill on that. Uh, easy for me to say. Uh, as far as giving into nostalgia for this being the anniversary of the Hell in a Cell match, I think it did that too with the Kevin Owens halfway fall and Shane diving off the top and all the fighting on top of the cell, like really just trying to capture all the moments uh, from past Hell in the Cell matches uh, that that really made this match famous. I think it did that very well. And from a storytelling perspective, absolutely succeeded there. Uh, Kevin Owens is one of the best, I think, at telling the story inside the ring uh, with not only his work, but his mannerisms and, and obviously ta- him berating Shane's kids at the beginning of the match. I just loved. Why? Well, you should look up to me. I'm the best. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, I think this was a little long in the tooth, if you ask me. Um, thir- I don't know if Shane should really be going 39 minutes. There were some parts of this I found a little boring, honestly. But there, there are a lot of other great spots in this match. Uh, Shane still pulling off a shooting star press is insanely impressive yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about it, like the the thing about it, is that the only parts that you could even, in theory, say were a little more drawn out were were the stuff that was on top of the cell, mm-hmm. and it that stuff it took you out of it because you were so on the edge of your seat. Yes, it was prolonged, but you didn't know what was going to happen next. That's the that's the great thing about Hell in a Cell, especially when you're on top of the cell. You don't know what's going to happen next. You're anticipating, okay, what are they going to do next? So even if it's prolonged, it works. Uh, I would agree and disagree with you at the same time. Because while it's true that you may not know where it's going, eventually WWE has conditioned you to know that somebody is going to fall off the damn thing if they go up there. That's, well, exactly, that's just how it's going to work. Huh? That's the great thing about it. You know someone's going to fall off at mm-hmm. some point. You just don't know when. And you're right. you're sitting there waiting and anticipating it. You still know what's going to happen though. It's not it's not a oh my god, 
when is I mean, when is it going to happen? True, you know it's going to happen though. Like somebody goes up there, they're going to fall. You know, it's it's just sort of the way it is. I, I think the Sammy reveal at the end was perfect. Uh, I, I feel like you could work Sammy very easily into the situation too, because he's been underutilized and you could bring up all, you know, him having to fight Mike Kanellis and Baron Corbin and seemingly getting nowhere and blaming that on Shane for, for, and Daniel Bryan for, for holding him back essentially from what he thinks he should be. Um, and understanding that, Hey, my friend, Kevin Owens over here. Yeah. We've had all these problems, but he makes a great point and I'm willing to mend that fence if you are, so we can go out here and succeed together and then you can have a whole bunch of other stuff happen on the way there all of that i think it did really well i just i kind of wish it was maybe five six minutes shorter i think it would have been much better yeah I, i kind of agree as well that it sort of felt like they were just really taking a while uh, <laughs> especially on top of the cell i don't know if they meant for there to be the crowd to be more crazy or something like that or uh, I don't think that there was I don't know why people were, were saying this on Twitter I don't think there was ever any thought of them going through the cell that that would that's even more dangerous to going on to the outside with the, the announce table because they can add padding to that announce table you can't really do anything well, well the only way they could have done it is what they did back in 2000 with the the floor with the mat caving in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. It's it would have been, I think, too contrived. It felt like they reinforced that so that there would be no way that they fall through instead. But mm-hmm. I look, I agree. I think Shane, for the age that he's at, for you know, again, not really being an athlete, not being a wrestler, still going out there and. And doing what he can, doing that shooting star for us, and I mean his strikes and kicks are so awful. But you know, the still doing the coast to coast, all that stuff. I mean, that's still pretty amazing to me. I think Kevin Owens is great uh, as always. Like you guys said, the the talking there is is always that, and I think he's transplanted that into other people. Uh, learning how to talk during your match, which is important. Mm-hmm. I it just. Yeah, it's it's just there was something about it to me that I didn't feel the same emotion and the same. I felt more obviously like it's more about like, well, I don't want Shane to die or I don't I, I want to make sure Kevin Owens is OK. I felt that at the end, right, when Sami Zayn shows up. But throughout the match, I didn't feel the same way I felt like with the Usos and and New Day where, oh, man. Xavier's just getting beat up there or some of mm-hmm. these things they're doing. Like, uh, we didn't even mention the two dives by both Big E and Jimmy into the cage to mm-hmm. basically kill the other guy. I mean, they know they're going to get hurt and they're doing it. Uh, so, yeah, I like, you feel that talking from Kevin Owens and, and all that and, and Shane McMahon being their devil and making him go up, up on the cage, but... This didn't feel anywhere near as good as the the first Hell in a Cell of the night. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, maybe this is just my old school bias, but you know, my you know, it always feels kind of flat. Obviously, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive to the whole concept of the match itself. But whenever 
a match stays within the cell, it kind of falls flat to me. Um, because you're, you know, thinking, okay, when are they going to go up? Um, you know, uh, the other thing that, uh, that helped this match, um, was, was the fact that, you know, both of them, you know, well, the, the, the other thing that was an interesting spot, and I really hope someone who's kind of a more daredevil type of character uses this against KO at some point, was the whole thing with when KO was up on top by himself. And, you know, he was like, should I do it? Should I do it? And, like, he was about to. And then Shane got up and started climbing up. You know, him being hesitant um, could lead could be something that you could definitely put into a storyline down the road. Yeah, surely you could. Uh, I think the main thing obviously coming out of this is what you guys talked about. Sami Zayn has this come into play, you know, and and we'll see how they address this on Tuesday. Let's just hope Mm -hmm. people actually want to watch it, which that's the thing is it doesn't matter if they do these kind of sort of cliffhanger endings. If people still don't really tune in to SmackDown to see it, then it kind of fails on that part. But hopefully they do. Because I mean, I think this, I think, I mean, especially for fans of NXT and of the indies, this is a moment that people have been waiting for. And I think people will definitely tune in, especially to hear the, the reasoning. And, he, and even fans who weren't fans of NXT, who weren't, who aren't fans of the Indies, you know, even more so for them to an extent, you know, they're going to be like, why is Sammy suddenly helping, you know, his arch rival? Um, you know, so it, it works in a number of ways. So I think it will be something that people will tune in for. Definitely. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I, I think the uh, we were a lot of us. I, I know on our preview uh, for Helena, so we were talking about maybe Triple H interfering or something like that on Shane's behalf. But that they came out of uh, seemingly left field with this. I think this isn't still. I mean, it's just as interesting this way uh, and seeing, I guess, how this plays out. Because I would argue, since the Vince segment with Kevin Owens, this this has definitely been the most interesting story on WWE television, and hopefully that does transfer into a pop in the ratings coming into Tuesday. I think throughout this whole thing, even from when you know Shane, you know, took the took the ref jersey from Baron Corbin, I think this has definitely been the most interesting, and you know the the most captivating storyline on SmackDown over the last month, month and a half. I would agree. It's one of the better ones uh, for sure. So the last thing we have left to do here is to give this show a rating before we get out of here. So out of 10, Brandon, what do you give this one? I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10. Um, it would have been a lot lower if it wasn't for the, the main event. Um, you know, some of the, some of the decisions in terms of who won certain matches while yes, 
I understand them to an extent. Some of them just, you know, like we talked about, you know, Shinsuke not winning the title and and having to continue with gender, you know, uh, Natalia retaining, you know, um, Usos getting the title back. I feel like this should have been the end to that feud and let New Day move on to someone else. Um, that's what what's holding this pay per view back from being a nine or ten. But uh, but you know, a lot of great spots. Um, one of the more one of the most memorable Hell in a Cell pay per views that we've had ever if not for a while, potentially even ever. Oh. I'm going to go seven on this one. The, the tag match was spectacular. I think the main event certainly held up its end of the bargain, uh, just because I think you knew what you were going to get out of that. Everything else, I mean, there's a couple of of uh, little bad spots on this show where it's just sort of real boring or flat, but everything else I thought was either really entertaining or... Had a lot of uh, great wrestling up and down the card as well. And it, it certainly holds your attention for the three hours. Uh, and that's certainly not something WWE can claim every week. So hats off to, to them for putting on a good show here. That's where about where I was going to go was a seven. It's bookended very well with the uh, great match. Excellent match that I think everybody needs to go out of the way to watch to open the show. Uh, the mm-hmm. second Hell in a Cell is a spectacle that I think people wanted it to be. Uh, I don't think it's a great match on itself, but again, it delivered on the showy stuff that you wanted, and you kind of got all of the old Attitude Era spot stuff in there. And mm-hmm. then I think when you tie everything else together in the middle uh, with the U.S. title match... I think being the standout of the the wrestling there in the undercard, with it all pushed together, I think you can give it an extra one, and or, or you know one and a half or so, and I'll uh, I think that averages out to a seven for me. It just uh, there was a lot of matches that, or there was a few matches like Rusev, Randy Orton, Rude, and. Ziggler, where you're kind of like, uh, well, these don't feel like they're really going anywhere. They mean anything. Uh, the gender beating Nakamura like that just felt really weird, and and I guess they're moving him on, but it's just like way to make that guy feel ordinary when he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you get the surprise of Baron Corbin winning, which to some people probably wasn't, but th- that's that's nice and. Natty and Charlotte will keep their thing going. So, Seven's good pay-per-view. You know, Brandon liked it a lot more than Paul and I did, which is good. Nice to have that differing opinion there. And it will be interesting to hear what Gary has to say on the Monday night show, which we will be doing in uh, not, you know, 24 hours from now. Uh, We will be reviewing that uh, New Japan King of Pro Wrestling that's about to air in a few hours. And we'll also be doing the RHTV we normally do and whatever else is going on uh, in the news in wrestling. So we'll uh, be in touch with you not too long from now. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here on the review. If you did, uh, hit a subscribe button to get everything we do wrestling to the max. We have the WWE review shows throughout the week, NXT, 
uh, SmackDown Raw, 205 Live, and then of course the two uh, episodic shows that we do that have the other reviews in them from the other companies, along with uh, news, main topics, and all the other stuff. And uh, like I said, Gary will be back uh, doing this thing so that I don't have to be so bad at it, and we can <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, progress further on things. Thank you for One Mania for for hosting uh, our show. And also, make sure you visit WTNet.com. We had a preview up for for Hell in a Cell. We have one up for the New Japan as well. And uh, more stuff. Uh, so, uh, until the next time we're around. See you later, everybody. How are we doing, guys? The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.